0: Our loving, kind Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for gathering us this morning once again to learn your words. There are many people in this country, they do not know of your love and your wonderful gift, Jesus Christ. when you send your son Jesus Christ to this earth he trained twelve disciples throughout three and a half years they're humble people they're fishermen some tax collectors but they learn from you and they turn the world upside down just 12. And in this room, even, we have more than 12 people. And I ask Lord that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit. That they will go out and proclaim the wonderful news about Jesus and His soon return. that we can finish this work and join you in that heavenly place. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, and his death on the cross. That through his life, that we have wonderful faith and hope that we will also inherit the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. We pray all things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I, I'm a little less than 40 years old, a little less. But something that I wish I, you know, I'm, even this morning, you know, Dr. Kwon's message was so inspiring. Yeah. A 70 years old man, learned violin for how many months? Four months, Four months and able to yeah. play. That's, that's something, but yeah. something about me and computer, we don't get along pretty well. I, I only use computer for some time, writing sermons, studying, um, preparing my sermon messages, and check my email and internet. That's it. And, you know, I, I try my best to make some PowerPoints. There's a three slides in this, you know, presentation. <laughs> and all of them, I mean, like... Except for one or two, they're related to this message, but rest is related to yesterday's message. (laughs) So, I, I, you know, beg your pardon, um, but um, we'll spend time today studying second and third angel's message. Yesterday, I promised you that I'll find a quotation from Ellen White writing about the gospel. Right here it is, spawned from the second selected message page 106, uh, we can read here, The message proclaimed by the angel flying in the midst of heaven is the everlasting gospel. The same gospel that was declared in where? Eden. Eden, When God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here was the first promise of a Savior who would stand on the field of battle to contest the power of Satan and prevail against him. Christ came to our world to represent the character of God as it is presented in His holy law. For His law is transcript of His character, Christ was both the law and the gospel. The angel that proclaims the everlasting gospel proclaims the law of God, for the gospel of salvation brings men to obedience of the law, whereby their characters are formed after the divine similitude. If you can write it down or make a note on this, it would be great. Okay, what is Babylon? Confusion. Confusion, right? Another word for Babylon, the meaning is uh, the gates of the gods. Gates of gods. Before we go there, because we didn't even read the scripture, what is the first angel's message about? Let's Let's do some review what did you learn from yesterday when i present about first angels message what did, what was it <clears throat> fear god give glory to him for the hour of judgment come worship him worship the creator right what is it what is a kind of like main theme that is pointing to judgment is coming you have to make right with God. By repentance, strong faith, trust Him. Even sometimes it doesn't make sense. The thing that He told us, Abraham, I gave you an example, right? When Abraham was asked to sacrifice his own son, it doesn't make sense. But he did it by his faith. And God says, I... Know now that you fear the Lord. Abraham, another case, demonstrated a strong faith when God says, Leave your family and your hometown. I have another place for you. The Bible says he did not know where he was going in Hebrews chapter 11. And he went. So, the first message that our angel proclaimed it deals with the commandments of God because there's a judgment. You know, We are saved by faith and His grace, right? Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that. Um, but we are judged by His commandments. If you love God, and if you surrender ourselves, God said He will pour out His Spirit. In Ezekiel chapter 36, there's a promise that God says, I will Cleanse you, I will wash you, and I will give you my spirit, and it will cause you to obey my commandment. So that's why we are asking for the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Um, so that's the first commandment, first first uh, angel's message. Second angel's message. Let's go to Revelation chapter fourteen. I hope and pray that when somebody comes to you and say, brother or sister, so-and-so, could you please explain to me about the first angel's message? I hope you can kind of over give, you, give them at least overview. This means this, this means this. This is why we are living in the time of you know, atonement, um, judgment time, investigative judgment. And God will finish... Um, As soon as the judgment is over, then we'll inherit the kingdom of God. Right? Those kind of things. Second, angel's message. Let's read from Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of wrath of her fornication. And, um, and the next verse is 3 angels or third angel's message the bible says in verse 8 there followed another angel saying babylon is fallen is fallen let's try to find out who's babylon here who's babylon who's the babylon is the bible tells us about who babylon is let's go to the next chapter chapter... I'm sorry, not next chapter, but chapter 17, right? 13, 16, 17. Here, there's a description of Babylon. Reading from verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven bells. And talk with me, saying unto me, "Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great poor that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in a purple and scarlet collar, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of what? Abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon, the Great, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations, the Earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. There's a woman... Several women we found in the book of Revelation, right? Chapter 12, there's a woman in heaven, and then she came down to earth. She was hated by the serpent, red dragon, tried to destroy her. What this woman in Revelation 12 represents? It's a church, right? Woman, usually in the Bible prophecy, represent the church. In, uh, in, in Paul's writing, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 mm-hmm. come with me to Ephesians chapter 6 let's be, just give you one example mm-hmm. sorry chapter 5 here says chapter 5 verse 22 <coughs> wives "...submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is a Savior of the body. Therefore, as a church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives to be, uh, be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives." even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the words. So do you see how Paul is saying Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and then church is the body. So as comparison with the husband is the head of the family, the wife is the body. You know, when there is a conflict in our family, you know, I always go to this Bible verse. You know, because I mean, not not saying that I'm. I'm okay, let's make it clear. I go to verse. I go to verse twenty-five. That's the best answer. When we have a conflict, you know, my wife. She's not here. I know this is recording, but. She's from New York City. She was raised. She went to all the you know, well-known school in um, New York City. Manhattan. And then she went to art school, LaGuardia Art School. She went to uh, Manhattan Music School. Um, so my background is totally different than her. I went to, um, I was growing in, grew up in Seoul City. And then I went to boarding school, one of the elementary school in Korea. And then I went to country. I'm going to share more about that tomorrow morning. But I lived in the country for five, six years. I went to Korean Army. So it's a very different background. And, you know, when, when you marry somebody who is different than you, your background, your family, culture, it's really hard. You know? So when we have a conflict, there's time that I... Honestly, I, run away from her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to deal with the issue. I don't want to fight with her. I'm like, why do I have to bring pains and tears in her, you know? But I cannot really agree. And then, when I pray, and I made a, you know, oath to or promise before the, the wedding guest and the Lord and my family that I will love her as Jesus lover (laughs) love the church you know it's a vow you have to keep it you know and and there's some time that you know seriously you know God really uh, protect me otherwise Satan is like just leave her go away walk away from your marriage but God reminds me of this Bible verse you said that you will love your wife as Christ loved and you know, gave himself. That is a key point. You know, I don't know if, if you have, um, we have couples here and, you know, maybe wives, husbands, and some singles. Singles, make sure that your husbands, especially ladies, make sure that they make this promise, okay? They, they will say, of course, they're not going to be a perfect husband, but in, as, as a Christian, they have to somehow understand and promise before everybody that, they will love you know their wives as Christ loved the church so in this kind of concept was already introduced in both old testament and new testament so we know that woman represent church so revelation chapter 12 has a pure church that the remnant will her remnant will keep God's commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ but this woman that we found in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 is little different, right? This woman is what having a fornication with the kings of the earth, and she has all this name blasphemies. What it? What is the blasphemy means it from the Bible? Blasphemy. Make himself God. How can we or someone make himself God? This is something that they can do in order to exercise as divine. Come with me to Mark chapter 2. Book of Mark chapter 2. Give me a few seconds. No, no, no. I, mean, I want to open up another slide. Uh... Oh, okay. Okay. We'll um, just leave it like that. Um. Mark chapter 2 Remember there was a time that when Jesus was preaching they brought a man right? He was preaching to the people in this house and they brought a man with palsy, right? And because the, the, the house was packed what did they do? They made the hole on the top of the roof and then they drew down the man and what did Jesus say? Did you say? In verse 5, Son, let's read the fourth verse. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It's a kind of odd thing, right? Somebody tried to get healed, and he was thrown down from the ceiling. And Jesus says, Son, your sins be forgiven. And the Bible says next to it, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak what? blasphemies! Who can forgive sins but God only? Okay, so there's a church... Woman, church, right? But she's decked with the gold and precious stone and pearls. Totally different than we see in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, there's a lady with the crown, stars, and sun and moon, right? And white garment. But this woman is totally different. in In the Bible, even tells us how we should dress and how we should adore ourselves. Amen? Amen. You know, some Western countries people have total confusion about this. They're like, you know, we can do whatever we want. You know, I honor God by decorating myself with the gold and juries and whatnot. But Bible is very clear about these things. Anyway, so I just point out what, that um, she has this um, claim that she's God in, us, in herself, right? In Revelation chapter, let's go to 17 one more time. Revelation chapter 17. Abomination with, uh, the, 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 yeah op, the blasphemy we studied. And having seven heads, in verse three, he carried me away in a spirit into the wilderness, and saw a woman sit upon the scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. You know where did you find this beast, by the way? This this seven-headed and, and ten-horned beast. Chapter thirteen, right? Chapter thirteen. Comment me to uh, chapter uh, Revelation chapter thirteen, verse. 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his throne a horn, ten crowns, and upon his head the name of the blasphemy. So do you see? The same beast appears again in chapter 13 and 17. And then on this beast. Who sits out? Who's sitting on it? The woman. The church. The church is totally different than God's pure church. But I believe, this is what I, what I think. Was this church pure at one point? Yes. 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 The first century church. Right? When Jesus was asked, established his church through his disciples and apostles, they were pure. But when time on, they start changing its form. And they bring all these false doctrines, and we're going to study about that soon. So, this is a church that has been apostatizing against the pure doctrine of God. Let me, let me, let's go back to chapter 14. Let's go back to chapter 14 and read um, the second angel's message one more time. It says, same with the law, and end of verse 8: And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, in that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Question. Did Jesus ever offer a wine? Did Jesus ever offer a wine? I mean, the, the, the thing is this. When we think about wine, we don't think about like alcohol, right? Yes. Like drink and you get intoxicated and you got passed out or do some crazy things. But when, when we so talk about wine, this is more about you know, the wine that is grape juice You know, not fermented, just pure grape juice. Did God ever, or did Jesus ever offer the grape juice? He did, right? Where do we find that? Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. reading from verse 27. The Bible said, And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of what? New Testament, which it shed for many for the transmission.'" Uh, uh, Remission of sin. And Hebrews chapter nine talks about how we can remove or, for, you know, God can blot out the sins. It's only by the blood. When there's a sin, when there's a sin, wages of sin is a what? Romans chapter six says, death. 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 So when you sin, if we not resolve it is asking us to the path of death. Right? So Jesus saying, I gave you this blood, the grape juice, wine, as a remission, or the gospel as a New Testament, the way to get rid of the sin. That is a pure gospel. Amen? Through, through Jesus' blood. That's the only way. But what, what, what the other um, Babylon or, or um, the woman in Revelation chapter 17 is giving? Ellen G. White says in the Maranatha page 171, Babylon is fallen because she made all nations drink of wine of wrath of her fornication. What is that wine? Her false doctrine. said. This is not the only Bible text that we found, but there's other Bible texts um, from Jeremiah and Isaiah. If you need the quotation, I'll give it to you later. Talks about how ancient Babylon is also did some ab- abomination to God. Um, I don't know if you remember the story in Daniel chapter 5. What, what, what do you find in Daniel chapter 5? The end of Babylon, right? Who was the king that time? The king was a? Belshazzar, right? He had a party, a feast, with all his royal men and all leaders of Babylon while the Medo and Persia were in camp outside the city Try to attack. Technology, I mean, technically, the whole city of Babylon was like so protected by this great wall, nobody can attack from outside. That was a system they built. And they even had uh, the river, you know, go through the middle of the city. They can just sustain themselves for ages. So they were boasting themselves, we can you know we stand this great army of middle you know, and persia but they didn't know about the gates and the water path right anyway while they were having party what did they do they used golden cups, golden cups and the vessels from where for the temple of god in jerusalem from jerusalem and there Praising their gods. If you read um, Daniel chapter 5, it all describes it there. And God says, That is an abomination. And you waited on sin and found wanting. So that was the end of Babylon, and the king got slain that night. So, very similar situation. Babylon is fallen because of her wine, false. You've mixed holy things with uh, unholy things together. God considered that as a Abomination, right? Okay. So, continue reading. Her false doctrine is the wine. She has given to the whole world a false Sabbath, sun worship instead of Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment, and has repeated the falsehood that Satan first told Eve in the Eden, the natural immortality of the soul. Do you remember the the temptation that the serpent gave to Eve? Come to um, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 4, when when Eve answered to, you know, Satan that, you know, God told us not to touch, not to eat. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall, what? Not surely die. That is a lie. There is a many doctrines that um, this false church brought to the world two doctrines right sabbath and state of death issue I'll show you a slide see this? I don't know if you can read it. I, it's too much stuff, right? This is a Roman um, empire. Later on, they become a church, right? 8321. Actually, eighty. I believe 313 is the year that Constantine, what, got baptized to become uh, joined up. Christianity. You know, the Roman Empire, the like, uh, emperors from Nero and all other emperors during the Jesus' time and after, they persecute the Christianity. They try to kill and they, even Nero, try to, you know, brought all these um, Christians to, uh, what, feed it by the animals, beast. In a, in a, you know, how to call it, the Colossians, to call it? And, and, and make fun of them. But one die, ten more Christians are raised. So, uh, Constantine, the emperor, says, uh, we have to change the tactic here. You know, that's what Satan always do that. Satan first come and attack you with all this persecution. If it doesn't work, what does he do? He brings compromise. He says, well, let, let's, let's work together. Let's do some, you know, business here. So, he... Constantine joined the Christianity and all the soldiers also joined. And the whole nation, right? So the Christianity became the Rome's national religion. And then what the first thing he did? 1833 uh, 21, they placed the Sunday law. he said the church has a right to change? The Sabbath. We we, we get rid of the Jewish Sabbath. They they didn't change immediately. Like, when you do compromise, you know, compromise with making compromise with, you know, this thing, they don't just throw, okay, from today on, we're going to keep Sunday as a Sabbath. No, they didn't do that. At the beginning, they said, we'll celebrate... Sabbath. But we will also celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what they did is this. They said, on Saturday, on Sabbath, we need to fast. We We shouldn't cook. We should just fast the whole day. Imagine you have children sleeping meals once, okay, twice, they're grumpy and crying by the third meal, they're like going nuts, probably. I mean, imagine the whole nation has to fast on Sabbath. Do you think people have a good attitude or positive, you know, happy Sabbath attitude? Or they'll be like, ah, oh, Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Children are like, ah, oh, Sabbath, we cannot eat anything. So they make the day a miserable day and they say, okay, get rid of Sabbath. No, we don't need Sabbath. This Jewish thing is killing us. So they drop the Sabbath and they say, we'll just celebrate Sunday. Mm-hmm. But what was a Sunday? The background was, you know, why did they celebrate Sunday? It was a day of sun worship. Right? If you look, I mean, there's a funny thing about this, you know, nowadays we have all these um, uh, great images of, you know, ancient Rome, but all the signs and their gods, the you know idols they carried. It's, it's amazing. You know the, the beast. We gonna I don't know if you have enough time, but the beast that represent you know in Revelation chapter thirteen and the seventeen, that uh, woman was sitting on. Is a pagan woman. They have all this. Revelation chapter 13 has an image of one beast, but it, the characteristics are all there, right? has all lion's parts, there's a leopards parts, there's a bear's parts, and there's a monster parts. So this Roman Empire has all this pagan practice and ideology, you know, ideologies and a philosophy from all these different countries, and they come together as a one emperor, empire. The amazing, interesting thing is this. That the second beast, the United States, is very similar. You go to the United States right now, they worship everything, anything. It's just like very similar to India. I went to India. They worship anything. They worship the bogs. They worship the animals. They worship trees. They worship living things, dead things. And they make, they become so ignorant. You know, India. This, this, and that. That's what's happening in the United States right now. They don't have a moral concept. What is right? What is wrong? Young people, they just bring their guns and start shooting people because they don't understand the value of life. They're educated. They're the monster. They're the beast. They're the animals. They're, 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 you know, evolved from the amoebas and monkeys. And, so that that is confusing them. That's why is it Babylon. So this is the downfall of their moral standards. And then they brought 325 A.D. They introduced Easter celebration, you know, and Christmas. And this is from Babylonian God, uh, a goddess actually. And 8336 Christian being celebrated on 25th of Christmas as a birth of Christ 8370 the first record of infant baptism and their baptism you know how does Roman Catholic Church baptize people sprinkling right how about the Protestant churches Protestant churches (laughs) Methodists, you know, or other evangelicals. How do they also baptize people? The same way, right? Do they do infant baptism? Many of the churches, they do infant baptism. Except for the Baptist church. What else? 376 Pope of Rome fell heir to two keys from the pagan divinities, Janus and Cybele, and became a supreme pontiff of the Babylonian order. Okay, 81 Worship of the Virgin Mary was introduced, of Mother of God. Eighty-four, sixteen. Infant baptism became an official. AD 500, the pagan practice of burning incense was first used in the church service. And then 519, Lent, which was Babylonian pagan ceremony, was also established in the church during the Easter. So all these false doctrines been creeping into the church. Did you know that, I'll, I'll mention several other things too. Do they worship the saints? What did the Roman Catholic do with the Second Commandments? Did you know that they, we have a Ten Commandments, right? As a 7th Adventist or Protestant Ten Commandments from the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. Roman Catholic has their own version of Ten Commandments. What did they get rid of? Second Commandments. Who changed? What, what right do they have? Then in chapter 7 talks about that, right? Little horn, horn try to change time and laws. They get rid of second commandment. Because why, why do they have to get rid of the second commandments? Because they have to worship their idols. Saints, right? You go to Roman Catholic church, there's all the saints. They kiss, they bow, they, they give offerings. Especially Mary, right? Infant baptism... Why does infant Baptism actually was introduced to the church? What what concept? You know? Why did they have to baptize the baby? You know, baptism is a symbol of one person's, what? Conversion and repentance, right? Why does baby need baptism? Have you thought about that? Because they believed babies were born in sin, they need to be baptized because many babies were dying during the, you know, old times. And the parents were devastated. You know, they're not baptized because Roman Catholic Church demand, if the baby, if anybody is not baptized and join the church, they're doomed. And they brought this idea of purgatory. They're going to be in between hell and Heaven, they have to suffer, they have to go through pain, and then later on, somebody will buy their salvation, and then they will. That's why indulgence introduced too. So all these false doctrines were coming in and in. Holy order, what is holy order? One of those, you know, uh, seven. Um, how to call that? Um, I, I don't. I, this thing is slipping my mind. Uh, sacrament, right? Seven. one of them is um, holy order this idea is once you become priest once you become priest you're forever priest whatever sin you commit doesn't matter that's why we have this issue with child abuse by the catholic priest am I right have you ever heard about it? Like US, Rome, Italy, and other countries, South America, many priests are using little boys as their pleasure, and then later they get caught. But what do they do? Catholic Church? They just simply remove to another district, and they're still active priests exercising their authority they, they, they don't understand the concept of sin and the Bible says in Ezekiel that if righteous sin he will die and sin but Roman Catholic Church they don't believe in that so all these different doctrines they have immaculate conception what is this? similar to as a you know uh, mother God, Mary. The, Jesus was born sinless nature. In order for him to be sinless, they have to make Mary, the mother of Jesus, holy. So they said Mary was also holy person. So they prayed to Mary because Mary is a interceding for the saints. Immortality of soul. We know that, right? People, they don't die, die. They just go to hell. They go to purgatory, poetry or they go to heaven right away mm-hmm. after their death. Mm-hmm. At the end, it's going to be two major doctrines that will deceive many people. Major. Number one is Sunday worship. And we all, as a Seventh-day Adventist, we heard about National Sunday Law. They, that's, the, that's the final stage that she will fill the cup. And from that time on, God will pour out the, the wrath. But what is another thing? Immortality of soul. I don't know if you notice. of course, even before we, we've seen this, but you know, what's the most popular movies and books in the United States right now? Which one? Harry Potter. What else? Twilight. Have you heard about Twilight? And something to do with vampires and zombies. There's a common thing, right? In all these movies. What is it? They don't die. They don't die. What does that do to people who watch those things? They have this idea. You know, Satan is... smart. I don't want to say super smart. You know, Ellen G. White saw him. He had a big forehead... And his eyes are keep rolling because he's trying to come up with this, all these idea, different ideas. When we watch those things, I'm going to share with you later. It's amazing by Ellen White's writing. When we watch those things, even though we don't believe it, we don't, even though we don't believe it, it is affecting our characters emotions and feelings and judgments. That's why we have to be careful what we watch, what we listen. There's two things Satan will use to deceive many, even the elect, the Bible says. So that was the second angel's message. What was the solution to second angel's message? We found in Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. Reading from verse 2. And he cried, the angel, another angel, he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed, rich through the abundance of their per delicacy. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven, saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. So that is a message, and that involved righteousness by faith. Faith again. How did Abraham come out from his you know his town? By the way, what is a what is the location of Babylon right now? I mean the ancient Babylon. It's Iraq, right? Iraq. So when God asked, that is something really interesting because God called Abraham. So Abraham, actually the Israelites, ancient Israelites, their father came from Babylon, the you know, cardins. You know, they are heavily involved with the pagan, the, the pagan uh, religion. So that's why God says, I want you to come out from her because I don't want to you to receive the plagues that she's supposed to receive because of her sin. So God is calling the same thing to many people. The the uh, Roman papacy, we have many Catholics around the world, right? It's, uh, I think is either one or first or second largest religion as far as a religion around the world. I think it, we have more... <coughs> Catholic than uh, Protestants right now. Do we have many good Catholics? Yes. We need to pray for them. We need to work hard to win their hearts. Because they're sincere, but they don't know the truth. The Protestants, they came. Right now, we have this WCCs and, you know, international Christian fellowships. All these things, I try to go back to where? To Rome. World leaders. I don't know if you seen the last picture of, of uh, pope and and uh, the how they work together with the, the world leaders. When the Pope, uh, the John Paul II, passed <coughs> away, United States, States presence both. Obama and George W. Bush all of them they were there honoring his death and it's like we can tell from the Bible and the prophecy that it is all fulfilling right now the whole world is following after the beast and we're going to study more about that in the next uh, session but this is a right that moment that we're seeing that Babylon has offered the world the wrath the wine of wrath fornication what is a fornication in a simple way adultery right the woman's supposed to be married to who jesus christ but instead of trusting and believing jesus christ and following him as a husband woman chooses to follow who the beast the world the worldly power political power to establish her state. That's, the Bible called it, abomination to God. So we are called to bring out people from Babylon and their teaching and their um, deception. That is the whole thing about the second angel's message. This media was brought to you by Audioverse,